Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is patiently waiting for his Michigan Wolverines to break their losing streak against Ohio State football, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing today? You know, I, I hate to be waiting. I'm not a patient person. Okay, we, we, we know this. Um, but I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer. I don't think Michigan has it in them this year. But they did uh, play a good Minnesota team, number 21 versus 18, and kind of I think they won by like 25 in the end. Um, so, you know, I'm impressed with that. But they're really, really young, not a lot of starters. But, you know, that's a, maybe a discussion for another day. Um, someone who, of course, knows about my impatience as we have lived together for three-plus years. I, I say plus. I feel like that's an acceptable term to say here is, of course, uh, some people's least favorite, some people's most favorite contributor, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Brendan. I uh, I feel your pain patiently waiting. I think it's hilarious um, because I'd much rather see Ohio State beat Michigan every year. Um, and part of that is because I'd much rather see you be miserable. So um, <laughs> I, I enjoy you patiently waiting because I know you're not patient, like you said, and it makes me very, very happy to, uh, to see the misery on your face. Yeah, I feel like I've just kind of come to my senses that, like, there's just such a big talent gap. It's going to be a while before uh, Ohio State is going to come off uh, their throne. But you know what? We'll see. Maybe maybe this year's different. You know, I'm starting to sound like Browns fans. Um, so, you know, I don't want to dip into that <laughs> pool at all. Uh, but, you know, I'm starting to sound like them a little bit. But we have a really fun episode planned for today, as always. Let's start it off because we have a lot of sports news to get through. Stan Van Gundy took over as the Pelicans coach. They saw it to be a right fit. Uh, with their young guys, as he's done a good job before with, in terms of development. Uh, Trevor, let's throw this over to you. What do you think about uh, SVG being hired? Yeah, so this is interesting. You know, Stan Van Gundy, he's always rumored uh, whenever a new job in the NBA comes open, it's always like, oh, Stan Van Gundy, this person and this person are rumored to be in talks with uh, this team. And finally, he's back in the NBA coaching. Um, obviously, he's had some success in the past. He coached uh, my favorite team, the Miami Heat. Um, in the early years of Dwayne Wade's career, um, he coached the Orlando Magic when they went all the way to the NBA Finals before losing to Kobe and the Lakers. So he's definitely had some success, um, a lot of experience coaching. And this will be interesting now. He's coming into a Pelicans team. He gets to coach J.J. Redick, who he has coached before, um, who is also now a veteran player with a lot of younger players. Obviously, some young stars and Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. They got other good pieces, Lonzo Ball. And uh, you know they they got a lot of they got a lot of young talent um, that that had a pretty decent year I think given the fact that they're uh, obviously so many young players and it's going to be interesting to see how the Pelicans go forward and and how some of the young players develop obviously we only see saw Zion play like I don't know like thirty games this year so you know him having a full season Brandon Ingram having another season you know kind of developing. After you know this year, really he is he's improved a lot um, and had a phenomenal year. So it, it's going to be interesting. I think this is kind of this should be exciting for Pelicans fans. I think Stan Van Gundy he's an intelligent basketball mind that's going to uh, come in uh, New Orleans and it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, hundred percent. I I think SVG is going to be great for in terms of development as a coach. I don't really know. You know, we'll have to see. Uh, he's not my absolute favorite, but I, I don't hate him either. Um, I, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how Zion and like Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball can flourish under him. Ben, any last thoughts before we move on to a different coach that just got hired? Yeah, Brandon, I agree with everything you said. I, I think it's a good hire. I don't think it's a great hire. Um, just like you said, Brandon, I think it, it'll be good for development of young players. I think Stan McGonigal is pretty good at that. Um, but if they want to win 
a lot of games. I just I don't know. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a home run hire by any means. I mean, he's yeah. always one of the first names that come up that comes up when there's a coaching vacancy in the NFL or in the uh, NBA. But again, I, I mean, I saw I saw it, and I'm not super surprised because I figured he'd probably get a job somewhere. He's been open about how he wants to coach still, um, so it's not mm-hmm. super surprising. But again, I don't think it's a home run hire by any means. I think it's just kind of it's it's somewhat noteworthy, but it's not. I don't think it's huge breaking news by any means. Hundred percent. So let's move on, Trevor, and I'm going to throw this one back to you. The Indiana Pacers hire. I, I'm going to botch the name up a little bit, so you're going to have to correct me, Trevor. Nate Bajorkrin. <laughs> that was that was so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Oh God. How? What? What is it? How is it? I'm, how I'm is honestly it not sure. Uh, I believe. You know ben? I believe it is Nate Bjorkin. I believe it's Bjorkin. Oh, that, Bjorkin. that sounds right. That sounds so the right. pronunciation is not <laughs> as uh, as you don't got to pronounce every single letter in there. Very interesting, Ben. So, are you sure about that? Have you seen a video? Um, I believe I've heard the name before. I believe I've heard people talk about Nate Bjorkin before. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a guess and say that it's Nate Bjorkin. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Trevor, what do you think about this hire? Yeah. So obviously the Pacers, you know, they they just fired their other coach or. Uh, you know, I don't know if a lot of times they don't say it's firing anymore. Maybe it's leaving, whatever. But the point is, Nate McMillan it's mutual. is mutual. Yeah, it's mutual. We we have a bunch of different terminology um, in, in right. recent years. So, but regardless, Nate McMillan no longer the coach of the Pacers. Uh, a firing that or whatever that I wasn't really sure I agreed with. I mean, uh, yes, the Pacers they've kind of been this team where they've had some success, but they've never really cracked into the conference semis or conference finals in recent years now. So they wanted to go in a different direction. Now, uh, Nate Bjorken, if that's how you pronounce it, he was obviously Nick Nurse's assistant coach. A lot of people um, I've heard have called him like the next Nick Nurse, you know, this young coach can that can kind of come in and bring like a good uh, scheme to this new team uh, with the Pacers who have come. Like, I, I think they have some pretty good pieces. You know, obviously they have had some injuries in the past few years. Obviously, Victor Oladipo, he's had his injury problems. Uh, Sabonis this year, uh, some problems. And they, they've been good. You know, they were the uh, four seed this year. Um, yes, they get sweep, swept by the heat. But again, it was the injury problems that I think, now I don't think they would have won regardless, but that's the reason they got swept, I think, was probably the injury problems. Um, so, with him coming in, it'll be, I think, fun to see. I think he can have a lot of success. I, I do think, you know, after being with Nick Nurse, I think he can bring this Pacers team some success as long as they are healthy, right? Because if they were healthy in the past years, maybe they would have went further. Obviously, the East does seem to be getting a little bit better. Now we're getting this Brooklyn team that's coming in with Katie and Kyrie. Um, I think the Celtics are a good team. Uh, the Bucks have now had some um, experience, though it's not been uh, as successful as they had hoped. Obviously, you have the Raptors that are always there, so there's definitely some competition there in Miami. But I think that the Pacers do have some good pieces. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon was phenomenal. He was one player that really stood out to me um, against Miami, even though they lost. He had, like, one really good game where he had a triple-double and had, like, 34 points or something. And then if Sabonis and Oladipo can get healthy, um, and then you even have, like, Miles Turner, a guy who has been rumored, like, in potential trades, which maybe that's something they'll explore this uh, whenever the next season starts. But I, I like this move. I, I think it'll be interesting to see um, how the Pacers do. I, I think they have a pretty good future ahead of them. They just need, like, a, they need to have a concrete star, obviously, because usually to win a title, you need one of the best, like, five or six players, and the Pacers are missing that right now. 
Yeah, and I I think they, they really, for me to be a competing team, they need one more player, whether it's a young guy or if they can somehow sign someone um, that you know can kind of lead the team a little bit more than what they have. I like a lot of their talent, and I, I, I see success for the Pacers, but I don't know if it's championship success. I'm not 100% sure. But let's move on, and I'm going to start with you, Ben, for this next topic because uh, it's an interesting one. We saw in the national championship game, Odo Beckham Jr. slapping money to the receivers and other players. Definitely interesting. They're not allowed to do that. I don't know if he remembers from his days, but they cannot accept money from people. Um, that is very wrong. And uh, LSU recently banned him for two years and self-imposed penalties. They took away some scholarships and stuff um, as the NCAA is currently investigating them, and hopefully I'm, I'm guessing they want them to kind of stop uh, investigating them. So, Ben, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I think it's a super interesting situation. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. is stupid, um, and we've known this. He's stupid. I've never liked him. I just think he's... He's very dramatic. If he doesn't get what he wants, he he whines a lot. And part of it's just because he's on the Browns, and I hate the Browns. But um, I've just I've never been a huge fan of Odell Beckham Jr. in general. So um, I think it's kind of funny. It's interesting. I mean, obviously he's stupid. And you, you can't do that. I mean, and like you said, Brandon, he sh- if anyone should know that you can't do that because he not too long ago was a college athlete and knew the rules and regulations. Um, so honestly, I mean it it's it is what it is. I, I think it's kind of funny. Hopefully he'll uh, he'll learn something from this and stop being. He's very he's very full of himself. He likes attention. We know this. He likes attention. He likes the spotlight on him. So even something like his old college team winning the national championship, he did something like this that made it about him, um, and he does that a lot. So hopefully this will kind of let him know that yo, it's not always about you. LSU had an awesome team last year, and now it, there's it's kind of like it seems like it's kind of being tarnished a little bit. Um, you can't take away obviously what LSU did on on the field last year with you know the greatest. Uh, college uh quarterback season of all time in joe burrow future nfl hall of famer knock on wood but um it it is what it is i mean i, I just i don't know i'm not a huge fan of it i don't really want to talk about it just because i don't like odell i think he's annoying so i'll, I'll stop there yeah you know odell is definitely a little bit in the limelight probably too much uh some would say uh and definitely slapping cash to players would not be what i would recommend to do I just feel like that's not right. Uh, Trevor, any final thoughts before we move on to something that I personally want to talk about? Yeah, so I guess I'll just make it keep it brief, but I want to take a, a slightly different angle on it. Um, obviously, yes, there, there's rules against this, and you shouldn't do that. Um, I don't think it's, like, the worst thing in the world. By any means, you're just giving people money. I don't really care that much. Although, it is very stupid to do it in public where there's thousands of cameras, or maybe not thousands, but like hundreds of cameras that can see it. So like, Odell, maybe next time if LSU wins a championship, just like do it in private or like wait till they're at the hotel or I don't know, like do it where cameras, like a hundred cameras aren't going to catch it. That's that's all I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're condoning that he should be giving money out to players like that. But if you are going to do it, let's not do it at midfield uh, yeah, I mean, he was literally getting interviewed right as he's slapping money into people's hands. It's just I don't know, not very intelligent, um, and kind of a bad situation. But let's talk a little bit about this Ravens trade. The Ravens just recently traded traded for Yannick Nagoku uh, from the Vikings. He was with the Jaguars for the first part of his career. Um, he has five sacks this year, two forced fumbles. One of the only players with those stats. Um, I wouldn't say he's necessarily the defensive player of the year, but I feel like his his name will be in contention. Um, and the Ravens have desperately needed another defensive lineman across the way from Matt Judon. They have not been getting to the quarterback like I preferably would want. And I love this trade for the Ravens for multiple reasons. Number one, I did not want to re-side Judon long term. I don't think they're able to. But uh, 
uh, Yannique, I feel like, is a much better player than Judon, much better at getting to the quarterback, and I would much rather him be a long-term player. And additionally, this strengthens already the best defense in the NFL, in my opinion. The secondary is amazing. Very few injuries. The linebackers are nice and young, flying around the field, and you have the defense of four players who have all been pro bowlers at a point in time in their career. I think all of them within the past three years, um, if I remember correctly, uh, between Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, Matt Judon, and now, of course, Unique Nagoku. Um, so I love this trade for the Ravens. I don't know how much you guys know about him, but this guy is a, a serious booster. I mean, this is this this is one of the guys a part of that amazing Jaguars defensive team in the 2017 season where they won like 13, 14 games, um, pretty much all on their defense. Um, so I'm super impressed with this trade. They didn't give up a lot. I'm hoping they sign him long term. Um, but Ben, let's throw this to you a little bit. What, what do you think about this? I'll tell you what I think about it, Brandon. I hate it because I hate the Ravens. And anytime the Ravens get a good player, it makes me mad. And I'll tell you, the main reason why this makes me mad, Brandon, is because the the Bengals have to play the Ravens one more time. So all that means is that's just one more good player that's going to try to end Joe Burrow's career. And that makes me a little worried um, because the last time the Bengals played the Ravens, Joe Burrow uh, did not have a fun day. So all that means is the next time the Bengals play the Ravens, and whenever it is in a couple mm-hmm. weeks, um, that's just more, one more person that I have to worry about uh, ending Joe Burrow's season, so I'm not too happy with this uh, with this trade. It makes me a little upset, but I guess I'm gonna just gonna have to live with it. 100%. I'm okay with all that information that you just said. That's cool with me. Trevor, any any final thoughts here before we kind of exit small talk for today? Yeah, so I'm a little stuck on the pronunciation. Um, I think, at least if this is correct, what I'm reading here, it's Yannick Ngakwe. So that's what I'm reading. That's what I'm going to go with. But, but I'm pretty sure it's Yannick Ngakwe. I don't think that's, so. We've had a lot of, you know what, today <laughs> we've had, at this point, we've gone back down to fifth grade uh, spelling and pronunciations. We, we've gone back down. We're, we're almost all college graduates here. Um, but you know what? It's nice to kind of learn the pronunciation of uh, a couple names, right, right, Trevor? Yeah, but but also just again briefly, because he he's a very t- talented player. Obviously, we know this. Uh, the Ravens already have a very talented team, so this makes them uh, better, I would assume. Which I don't like either, just like Ben said. So uh, I'm kind of with Ben here. Mm. It seems like you guys are all hating a little bit, but let's end small talk today. Of course, with small talk trivia. Uh, Trevor, what is the current score uh, between us? So it is uh, 36 to 33. Uh, you still lead. All right, Trevor. So today I'm going to let you take the reins, take the question up first. So what is your question for me today? All right. So I, I have an interesting question today. Now, we know that uh, Adam Vinatieri, who is one of the, who is the oldest player in the NFL, he will be turning 48 in December, where he will then most likely become the oldest player that's ever played in the NFL, in, in NFL history. Now, as of now, my question is, as of now, who is the oldest player to ever play in the NFL? Oh, my. Um, so it's not Benetari, it's someone older than him? Yes. So in, in the history oh of the my. NFL, who is the oldest player to ever play in, a NFL, in an NFL game? Truthfully, I, I do not know. That's a great question. It's going to kind of be like, you know, a shot in the dark. Um, I can't imagine it's someone who's like, like, did this person play in our time? I mean, they uh, had to have, right? No, they did not play in our in our they lifetime. They didn't. Oh, God. This, is, this question got significantly harder with that piece of information. Can I phone a friend? Am I able to phone everyone's favorite contributor, Ben O'Brien? Um, well, here, I'll, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have Ben's help here, but I will give you, I'll try to give you a hint. Okay. So this player is a quarterback. Um, and they did, I would have guessed that 
Yeah. <laughs> so it is a quarterback. I'm trying to say, think if I want to give you another hint. Um, because it could give it away. I don't know how much you know about um, this player. Um, but they did play for, uh, I'll, I'll just say it, they did play for, well, it looks like it might be more than three teams, but the majority of the, their career was spent with three teams, the Bears, um, the Houston Oilers, and the Oakland Raiders. So the majority of their career okay, well, was spent with those three teams. Okay, well, that information did not give me a lot of help, um, but it was very nice. You know, I I don't even know who it would be. I, I don't know this player. I'm sure, like, once I hear the player, I'm going to be pretty upset. Um, but I, I truthfully do not know. I feel like this is a question I should know, too. Uh, Bears, Oilers, and Raiders, you said, correct? Yes. I don't know. I'll, I I truthfully don't know. I'll go with... You know, I have no clue. I don't even know a player that played on all three of those teams. Um much less a quarterback that played on all those teams. I'll go with, I don't know. My first guess would have been, like, far, but I think he only played until he was, like, 38. He definitely wasn't that old. I mean, 50, that's, that's, he had to have been, what, like, 50 or something? He was 48. 48? I mean, that's crazy. I had someone who'd be 48 years old in the NFL. I don't know. I'll have to go with, I'll go with Montana. I know it's not right, but that's my guess. Okay, so the correct answer was George Blanda. Um, he oh, yeah. played up until he was 48 years old. He was drafted by the Bears in 1949, and he played his last professional game in January 1976. Wow. All right, well, that was a question and a half. <laughs> um, all right, Trevor, so here's your question for today. We've had a lot of people inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. I also want to thank Ben for this question. Ben came up with this question. i got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, we've had a lot of players inducted into the college football, fame, college football Hall of Fame, but what school has had the most players inducted into that Hall of Fame? And again, it's just the College Football Hall of Fame, not the NFL Hall of Fame. What team has the most College Football Hall of Fame players? What school? Okay, so which school has the most players inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame? All right, uh -huh. so this is going to be another question where I definitely don't know the answer right off the top of my head, so it's going to be I have to go through, you know, and just think about different teams that have obviously been very good, have had a lot of different uh, talent that have come through their team, so, and just historically great college football teams. So I can obviously, you know, think about, like, Nebraska had a lot of good teams before my lifetime, personally. I can think about, like, Miami, who in particular in the late 90s, early 2000s had so many great players, some some stacked teams. I can think about um, Alabama, uh, LSU. The, most of those are more recent, but still they might be at least up there. They might not be number one, but they might be up there. Um, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, I'm sure all of these teams. Ohio, uh, USC as well. But, again, this one is going to be a little bit like yours was kind of a shot in dark. Mine is also going to be. Uh, I wasn't shooting in the dark. I, I some some <laughs> bat ripped my eyeballs out and it was pitch black. I couldn't see anything. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, looking at some of those different teams, I'm trying to think now. Obviously, yes, like College Football Hall of Fame, very different than the NFL Hall of Fame. Just because players mm -hmm. are in the College Football Hall of Fame doesn't necessarily mean that they had a successful NFL career by any means. Um. Right, but. 
Uh, what other teams? Even like I guess Notre Dame has probably a decent amount, but I don't think they're number one. So I think it's it likely is one of the teams I mentioned, even like a Michigan. But again, it's like the one week when you asked me a question, and I was like, Michigan might be too easy if you would just ask me a question about Michigan. So, And I did say Michigan anyway, and I was wrong, so I'm probably not going to make the same mistake. I'm going to go mm-hmm. with my gut here. I, and again, I don't know the answer, but it's a guess here. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say it's USC. That, that's going to be my guess. Final answer? Yeah. So that was a pretty good guess. USC is number two, and you actually named a lot of the teams that Ooh. are at the top. Uh, Ohio State's at the top, Michigan's at the top, um, but the number one team is actually Notre Dame with 46 players inducted into the Hall of Fame. USC has 43. Wow. So you were close. If USC was better the last couple of years, you know, maybe not the last couple of years, maybe the last 20 years, even better than they were, you might have been correct. But yeah, Notre Dame took the cake. They have 46 players. So neither one of us is getting a point. Ben, did you know either person's question? I know you didn't know my question because I don't know if anyone knows that question. No, there is no way I would have ever gotten the question for you, Brandon. That was honestly probably one of the hardest questions that we've asked here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, just because, but, I mean, the dude hasn't played since 1976. Like, that's like, true. Trevor, he was, like, he was done playing, what, 20-something <laughs> years before we were even born? Like, dude, come on. That's, that was so hard. <laughs> That is true. It was very You know what? Tough. I like the challenge. But I but like Brandon Brandon does impress me sometimes. So get questions that I didn't think he can get. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, you know, it's yeah, NFL related. If that guy related. was my next door neighbor, I still want to know he played in the NFL. <laughs> Maybe so have I don't a know about that question. <laughs> okay. All right, but let's let's. Uh, ben, did you know? Did you know uh, uh, Trevor's question? Well, I guess you gave it. You I was gonna say it. I did gave you know? it to you. So uh, I I did not know that, but I I I did have a guess. Actually, I want to ask you guys this question because I just found this. So this is a little okay. quick. Trivia for you guys, because I want to see if you know it. Our beloved Bowling Green State University Falcons, there's one person inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame from Bowling Green. Do either of you know who that person is? Um, um, is it Dwight Perry? It is Dwight Perry. Good job, Brandon. Nice. There we go. I, you know, I'll take my point there. Trevor, I had a point. Mm, it's an imaginary no, point. It's not a no. real point. Yeah, imagine. No, it's a real point. It's a real point. It's definitely, it's a real not, point. A it's definitely not a point. No, no, no. It's a real point. Okay, let's move on to some college football. The Big Ten officially started yesterday. Wait, I got to randomly watch ranked. Michigan Wolverines. Brandon, you're forgetting about oh, the no, best Oh, no, you do have randomly ranked. Topic. You're right. You're right. I almost forgot. Okay, excuse me for forgetting all the uh, listeners at home. But, of course, as always, we have randomly ranked that I almost forgot today. Today we have an interesting one as Trevor and I have graduated college. Ben is finishing up this semester and should be done soon. But we have a lot of fond memories of going to dining halls. Uh, I know Ben and I personally, and I know Trevor, you're probably in this boat too. We loved going to our dining halls at Bowling Green. Um, I, if I could, I would, I would go back on the meal plan today and honestly just pay for the meal plan and keep on eating there. So we wanted to go with our top three favorite things to get at our dining halls. Um, so I'm actually going to start today, and I'm going to give an honorable mention to the hot chocolate um, that we had at the Oaks Dining Halls. And I know, Ben, I know you remember this hot chocolate, but that hot chocolate smacked. It was great. It hit different. And I, can, can you can you comment on that? Can you t- tell the viewers how great the hot chocolate was there? The hot chocolate was fantastic, but actually, just reminded me that was not the best chocolate favorite drink at the Oaks. And I will I will I explain. You like their milk chocolate I will milk. explain yeah, more about it when milk. I when I give you my <laughs> rankings. But yes, the hot chocolate was very good. So number three, I got to put it the omelet. Um, and here's the thing: uh, we had a, Ben and I lived together for over three years, as you guys know, on this podcast. Um, well, three technically it was three years, but I consider it over three years. Would you consider it over three years, Ben? It was essentially four years. Okay. And our sophomore year, we figured out that on Saturday and Sunday mornings, they served omelets at this dining hall. 
and we would go every single day, and they were phenomenal. Every every single weekend, I should say. Um, and uh, we those omelets were killer. I love getting those omelets. Um, we, we had the the uh, our friend. We had a friend making them for us, and we even had an enemy making them for us. <laughs> as as, as then we know. Uh, number two, I got to go with the burger bar. Um, that they had there occasionally at our dining halls for people that are listening that did not get a bowling green they would have this special burger bar where they make these like really really nice burgers a lot of neat toppings and stuff and they were phenomenal and even when they had their normal burgers those were pretty good too but the number one thing in my opinion was the grilled cheese bar it's where they had endless amounts of grilled cheese you dip them in tomatoes uh soup it, it really can't get much better than that and that was my favorite thing from the dining hall so trevor we're gonna go over to you what are your favorite things from the dining hall top three favorite things all right, so yeah, um, yeah, mentioning hot chocolate, the hot chocolate was good. Although I, I think the chocolate milk was also very good. Um, so I, I gotta mention that. But I'll start off with my number three here. I think it. So I, it was usually called the gyro bar, right? But they they would also have yeah. like burrito bars, I think too. But often they would have a gyro bar, and I would I, I would always just get chicken. I would get like the you know the the gyro shells or whatever you call them the tortillas, and then I would get um, just like chicken and cheese, maybe like some salsa, um, and, and that would be pretty much it. And those were amazing. I would get those a lot. Um, I used to always get those. I remember my freshman year, I would get those at Carillon a lot, and then I would also get them uh, often my sophomore year as well. But those are very good. Number two, I got to go with the uh, the waffles that were at the Oaks. Uh, they had a well. They were at both of them. They had a BG logo like in the center, and they were just so good. I mean, every like Saturday, Sunday morning, um, even like some of the weekdays in the morning, if I didn't have a super early class, I would get uh, the waffles at the dining hall. That was always my breakfast go-to when I was on the meal plan. Mm-hmm. And number one, I have to go with this one because I think um, it's just like a staple at at BG's dining halls, and that's chicken chunks. Um, they're they're essentially mm-hmm. just like chicken nuggets. They're like maybe bigger, I guess, but they're they're just you know, it's just chicken. And you all know, if you have listened to this podcast enough, how much mm-hmm. I love chicken. So it has to be yes. uh, the chicken chunks at number one for me. And I want to point out, normally when, when we do randomly ranked, I call everyone out for their hot takes and whatever it is. There's really no hot takes. We we had great dining halls at Bowling Green, and there's so many great items. Everything Trevor said, I like. I, amazing stuff. And I know Ben's going to have some stuff that I didn't even mention that I love. So Ben, last up here, what is your top three favorite? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give, it's already been said, but I'll give an honorable mention to the chocolate milk. The chocolate milk is amazing. The best way I can describe it is literally it tastes like a Wendy's frosted Frosty that's been melted. That's literally the best way I can mm-hmm. explain That's exactly what it tastes like. My number three um, was the paninis. They had paninis, and they were amazing. I would eat two or three of those every time. Yeah, they had, they had a press. You, you, they put a little oil on the bread. Oh, it's so good. I get some turkey on it. Their panini, the paninis were amazing. My number two were the mozzarella sticks. Mott sticks. Uh, one of my favorite days when when the dining halls would have mozzarella sticks, uh, I would go and just eat a stupid amount of them and then feel terrible afterwards. But I would regret absolutely nothing. Uh, they were they were phenomenal. And my number one, Brandon had it on his list. It's probably one of the best experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, when they had the burger bar, but specifically Brandon, if you remember, when they had the gourmet burger bar. Yes, that's that's it, what I meant when the first yes, thing I said. And it gourmet it was bar. seriously one of the best burgers I've ever had. I don't even know how to explain it. It was just an amazing experience. Um, it was almost as if like it was a religious experience because I came out of there, I felt like a whole new person. So um, you know, I I can I I believe in that. I I, I actually you know I want to shout out our buddy Mason because Mason would eat. I've never seen a human being eat as much as that man. That man would go to the burger bar and have 
probably 12 to 14 burgers it was insane oh yeah and we used to what he used to do is he used to go and he said he would say i'm gonna have double dig- digits today and he would try to eat like at least 10 patties and oh, i'd feel like a chump over here because i'd be eating like three and like to me i felt like three or four patties was a lot but i feel like a loser yeah, I, a i'm looking at him and, and he's eating like three for every one i'm eating so he made me feel a little self-conscious about it but he, it was impressive it was impressive how much he could eat you know, state. really qu- right, quickly, uh, as always, I gotta say, oh, wait, you I gotta say, this is a pretty good endorsement for BGSU dining because we are three yeah, of no, we're like three of the most pro dining hall people I think that have ever went we to are. Bowling Green State University. It, it, <laughs> it's funny because a majority of people I know just hate the dining halls, and I'm like in love with them. In fact, when we moved off campus, I was so upset because I love the dining halls, and I know Ben felt the exact same way. They were my absolute favorite. I love going there. Uh, but I, I think we might be three of the only people to give this incredibly high endorsement. But if you have any randomly ranked ideas at home, please submit them to us. We, we come up with ideas uh, very last minute. We would love to hear what you guys would like us to talk about. But let's get into some different stuff, as I got into a little bit earlier. But we had college football again this weekend, and the Big Ten started officially. We got a lot of good games, you know, big wins from ranked teams, and even some big losses from ranked teams. Um, we saw Michigan State lose by 11 to Rutgers, uh, which is the funniest thing I've ever personally seen. Uh, in my entire life, it's better than any stand-up comedian. Um, and we we've seen we saw Northwestern uh, beat up on Maryland by 40. Uh, Michigan win by 25 over a ranked Minnesota. Ohio State's killing it 52 to 17. Uh, so Ben, I'm gonna throw it over to you. What are some of your takeaways from this game from the games in the Big Ten? Yeah. So um, the first one was Wisconsin. Wisconsin had this quarterback that I've never even heard of. And he kind of balled. He looked really good. They were already comparing him to Baker Mayfield. They were saying how he kind of looks like Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was like I think it's Graham Mertz or something Graham, like that. Or Graham Gra- Mertz. Graham Mertz, something like that. He I watched I watched most of that game on Friday night. Super impressive. Um, my second yeah. takeaway was Ohio State looks really good. Justin Fields is amazing. I mean I know that's no secret. Justin Fields he had one incomplete pass the whole game and it was a drop ball in the end zone, a perfect like fifty yard thrown ball right right down the middle of the field. Um, and the defend or the receiver hit the ground and dropped it. That was his only incompletion. He threw the deep ball extremely well. He just looks like uh, one of the best players in college football, which is no secret. My third takeaway, my last takeaway from the Big Ten was Indiana's not that bad. Indiana for so long has been a basketball school. Didn't even know they had a football team. And I really do mm-hmm. think they've it's and they've shown recently they've put more money into their football program. They've added onto their stadium. They've built new locker rooms, and I I think it's starting to pay off because Indiana beats Penn State. They knock off a top ten team in Penn State, um, and I really do think Indiana is going to beat some teams that usually they probably don't beat this this year. And this year is obviously crazy. There's no non-conference game, so teams have less time to prepare it in general. But I really do it's think— like the old Big Ten. Yeah, it kind of is like the old Big Ten. And I really do—and you already saw once, Indiana beat a team that they probably shouldn't have beaten. And I think it'll happen again. I think Indiana is going to beat one or two more teams that um, they probably wouldn't usually beat. But, again, they put money into that program, and it's starting to pay off because Indiana looks like a pretty decent team in the Big Ten landscape. Yeah, of course. So a couple things here. I feel like this is a pretty ideal day for Michigan fans. We see a Penn State loss— um, and, of course, we see Michigan State completely blow it. I don't care if it's their first year or not. You should never lose to Rutgers. Um, so that was an amazing moment for me, you know, looking up that score at the end uh, and seeing that Michigan State kind of got clobbered a little bit. Um, I needed to mention that on the podcast. I just want everyone to know that Michigan State sucks. But let's continue on to some other things. Ohio State, to me, looks amazing. Um, they're in a different talent level uh, than the rest of the Big Ten, in my opinion. Justin Fields should be the number one overall pick. I've been saying this since last year. I'm going to continue to say it. I think he is better than Trevor Lawrence. I think he will end up being better than Kyler Murray in the NFL. So you can call that a hot take if you would like. 
I don't think it's so very hot. I love Justin Fields. As I've said many times, I remember when he was in his recruiting process and he committed to Penn State originally, and I was so upset. I'm like, I want this dude, no- I want him to have nothing to do with the Big Ten. He decommitted, went to Georgia, and I was so happy. I'm like, thank God Michigan's never going to have to play him. He's going to be in the, the Chancellor Championship every single year. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully not against Michigan. And then, of course, not only did he leave Georgia, but then he proceeded to go play at Ohio State. Um, which was probably like a worst nightmare scenario. I mean, the only worst thing would have been going to Michigan State, but come on, Michigan State can't get five stars. That's ridiculous. I mean, how would you even recommend that, Ben? Come on now, you know better than that. I mean, so of course, yeah, not good. <laughs> so of course he goes to Ohio State and he just balls out. Honestly, Ohio State's offense is perfect for him. It's really, really well set up. He has tons of great weapons around him. Garrett Wilson, a five-star receiver, is quite amazing. Uh, you have Sermon from uh, uh, Oklahoma who just transferred in. Master Teague, who's uh, in my opinion a little bit overrated, but Sermon, Trey Sermon from Oklahoma, uh, who just transferred in, is amazing. Ohio State's gonna have a great year, and I I intend on seeing him in the national championship game. I really do. Um, you know, Jim Waddle just got hurt for Alabama, so I think Ohio State. Um, He's going to have a really successful year. In terms of Michigan, and I'll kind of end it after my Michigan talk for today, I'm, I'm, I, this year I, I knew it would be—Michigan's never going to be bad, but I, I didn't think it would be a great year. They lost an enormous amount of starters. I think it's like 13 or 14 starters in total across both sides of the ball. New quarterback Joe Milton, who I believe can throw the ball so far it'll, it'll break the sound barrier. Um, I mean, that man chucks the ball. He could probably throw it 85 yards. And he looked pretty good to me. He didn't look bad. He didn't look as good as uh, Graham Mertz or Justin Fields, but to me, he looked pretty good. Um, he, he looked well running. He looked very composed. And they beat a pretty good team, Minnesota, at Minnesota. Um, so I was impressed overall by Michigan. And, uh, you know, they're going to have a lot of young leaders, especially I think next year will be a really good year because they're not going to have a lot of starters leave this coming year. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Um I, I think Michigan will be good, but they got a lot of hard games ahead of them. They got to play Ohio State, of course. Um, they got to play Penn State, of course. Michigan State's not a hard game. Uh, when you lose to Rutgers, that's a little bit tough. Trevor, let's let's wrap up the Big Ten before we kind of head into some NFL topics. Well, what are some of your takeaways from these games? Yeah, so the first thing I wanted to mention was the Indiana Penn State game because this ending was insane. It was definitely the best game uh, of the weekend. Uh, you had a situation where it was an overtime. Penn State had the lead, 35-34, after a pretty crazy ending to regulation. And Indiana, their running back, is like diving for the pylon, and it's it's so close that they review it I don't know how many times, but it's it's really interesting because it's a situation where you have to review it either like they win or they lose. It's not a situation where it's a tie or a loss, obviously. It's either they win or they lose uh, with the two points. So it, it was so crazy, and it was so close, like looking at like where the ball was. But they gave it to Indiana. They got the win, which was a pretty impressive win. And I was going to ask, and Ben kind of answered uh, my question, but I was like, does this say, like, is this – like better is this more showing that Indiana's good or is it more showing that Penn State's bad? It seems like Ben, you kind of think that it's more showing that Indiana's good, uh, uh, but that was that was interesting for uh, to me. Obviously, Ohio State they did exactly what I think we all thought they would do and just completely uh, wiped the floor um, there with Nebraska. Um, you got a couple other interesting games, um, I guess, but you know some of these games just like. They're supposed to be good games, and they're blowouts. That's a that's a, my only frustration with some of them. Like, we see the Michigan-Minnesota game. It's like 18 versus 21. It should be like a nail-biter, and it wasn't. It was a complete blowout. Um, but, you know, the Big Ten's back. It's, it's interesting. At least it kind of feels like it's now more like, all right, we're now 
officially kind of in co- the college football season. I don't know. Obviously, this is a very strange season. But obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Graham Mertz was just insane. Justin Fields, uh, like, just so good. It's And, and I, I believe you, Brandon. I, I know, like, I've talked – or, like, I've, I've known that Justin Fields is good, but you've been, like, his biggest endorser for, like, over a year now. And after watching, like, some of the throws he had, I think I believe you because Justin Fields looks very good. Yeah, and it's it's crazy to me. Like, he, he really is going to be a better Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a great player. He's great with his feet, and he even is a good thrower. But Justin Fields is a great thrower. He's not just a good thrower. To me, whatever team ends up with Justin Fields, I hope he's not in the AFC. I want him in the NFC. And hopefully we don't get a replay of what happens with his college experience and somehow the Steelers get him. So I definitely don't want that. I never want to play Justin Fields. That's not going to be something I want. He's going to have success in the NFL. I'm a big, big believer in that. So Ohio State fans... You're not going to hear me talk your team up too much, but you know what? This is, You got a good one, Justin Fields, as they know. But let's move on to some NFL topics kind of to wrap up the uh, the uh, episode today. And first, I want to talk about the NFC East. Uh, the NFC East is is not a good conference. Uh, we see the Eagles 2-4-1, Cowboys 2-4, uh, the Washington football team 1-5, and, and the Giants 1-6. Not a lot of success. No one is positive in the plus-minus at all or really even that close to it. Um, and really, we, we don't have a lot of hope here. Now, I, I want to say a little bit on this. I don't think the Eagles are quite as bad as the other teams. I still think they're pretty bad, but I think they're kind of, like I said before the podcast to you guys, kind of in the 20 to 25 range in terms of power rankings. Not good, but uh, they're, they're, I don't think they're quite as bad as they've been playing. They've impressed me a little bit against the Ravens and the Steelers. I just think they've kind of had a rougher schedule. Um, I could be wrong. They could just be even more atrocious than I think, but I don't think they're quite that bad. So, uh, ben, I'm going to throw this to you first. What are some of your thoughts on the NFC East? Do we even see any of these teams winning eight games? I don't know, dude. And somebody's going to – I mean, they're going to have to play each other, so somebody's going to have to emerge as the dominant team in this division. But, I mean, I think it's safe to say that the Giants in Washington, they're not they're, – they're, they're in the bottom two. They're not making the playoffs, all right? I think basically it comes down to between the Cowboys and the Eagles. And two weeks ago I would have told you the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, they're going to win this division, shouldn't be a problem, even if they go 8-8. Eight and eight. But now that Andy Dalton's the quarterback, I don't have a whole lot of faith in him. Like I said last week, he's not bad. That's your boy. I, 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 I like him. But he's not bad, but he's not good. I, like I said last week, he's kind of just an average quarterback. I don't, I don't know if the Cowboys can do it, but I don't think the Eagles are good. I think the Eagles are terrible. When they played the Bengals, the Bengals looked like the better team in that game, and maybe that's just one game. But I don't have any faith in the Eagles, so I think I'd still have to say the Cowboys would win this division. But even then, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith. I will say... Whoever wins this division, there's no way they win a playoff game. I have no faith in the NFC's winning a playoff game. Um, but, I mean, the division's just so bad, and honestly, it's kind of just laughable to look at how bad it is. Um, but that being said, yeah. again, somebody has to win. So somebody's going to have to win some games here, and they're all playing each other. So somebody's probably going to get to eight games. I I don't know, though. I mean, even the best teams are two and four. I don't know. I still think somebody will probably get to eight wins. I think um eight and eight will probably be the the winning record for this division which is crazy to think about but i mean that's, yeah. just, that's just how bad the division is in general yeah i mean someone's got to win some games we'll, we'll see if any of them get to eight but trevor i'm gonna op- open this up a little bit more than the nfc east here do you, do you have any major takeaways we're six games in excuse me five or excuse me yes yeah, six games in some teams have played five some have even played seven um but really we're six games in what, what are some of your big takeaways um, from the NFL, kind of to wrap up the episode here. Yeah, so with the NFC East, I think it's a toss-up between the Eagles and Cowboys. Obviously, the Cowboys without Dak now um, definitely takes them out of being the favorite, and now I think it's kind of like a, it's, it's a neck-and-neck. The Eagles did actually come somewhat close to beating the Ravens, which was 
like kind of strange. I don't know exactly how that happened, but then they go and they barely squeak past the Giants, who are one one of the worst teams in professional football. Um, so it, it's kind of hard to say with the Eagles, but I think like one of them will probably squeeze out eight games uh, between the Eagles and Cowboys, and whoever does that will get the four seed. Now it's interesting because if I go down to like the Bucks and Packers game that I watched and was very happy about how that result turned out. The Bucks are a team who, now actually in the scenes they're ahead of the Saints, so they could just straight up win the division. But even if they don't and they get the five seed, them playing the Cowboys in the first round or the Eagles would be um, a matchup that I would like very much. So there's all, honestly, there's almost part of me that, that might even be totally okay with us getting the five seed as opposed to winning the division. Um, but, you know, the Bucks they beat the Packers. I thought they looked very impressive. It was the first game where we really saw the full potential of what this Buccaneers team could look like. They had um, zero penalties um, for the majority of the game, maybe the whole game. I, I'm not completely sure if they picked up one in the last couple of minutes, but the game was over by that point. And the Packers are a team who, you know, they've looked very impressive um, up until this past week. Now, they did have a win over the Saints. They beat the Vikings, but then outside of that, they were going up against the Falcons and Lions, so the schedule wasn't super difficult. I mean, it's clear that their offense is really good, but we did get to see, you know, with this Buccaneers team, after they got a couple turnovers, they will they were able to kind of, uh, you know, run the ball a lot, and then, you know, Tom Brady was very, was very good at, you know, making virtually no mistakes in the game, which enabled us to keep the possession a lot, which kind of exposed the Packers' defense, and as they got more tired, it was easier for the Buccaneers to keep just you know, going right down the field and scoring over and over, um, which was interesting. And I think that says something, that's an indication, I think, for the Packers once we get to the playoffs. It's, you know, something where I was more confident in the Packers, obviously, than I am now, um, because it seems like the defense is definitely has some issues. So that's uh, the first thing I had. And then other than that, we had this Titans-Texans game where we saw a pretty horrible decision, in my opinion, by uh, the Texans um, and Coach Romeo Cornell, where they went for two when they were up seven points they easily could have kicked the extra point went up eight they decided to go for two they missed it so they remained up seven where the Tennessee Titans simply uh drove right down the field uh and tied it up and then won the game in overtime after getting the the ball first now the Titans they're another team I think similar uh to the Packers where it's interesting because I think the Titans had a maybe a better defense last year and now their defense seems to have some issues which is weird um, but their offense is better so uh, that that's a little strange to me I still think Tennessee's good even though they did give up a lot of points to the Texans I still think they're a very um, great team one of the top three teams in the AFC and then we got the Kate uh, the Chiefs and Bills the Chiefs won that kind of as expected um, you know so I think it's I think it's very interesting right now what we're seeing I think there are I still don't think we know for sure, like, you know, what are the best, like, five, six teams. I think it's still reshuffling a little bit, but we have, like, a decent idea at least. Yeah, so I have kind of one big takeaway that I want to talk about, and then I'm going to throw it to you to kind of end the episode here. Um, the two teams with the lowest defensive points against and the highest plus minuses. Can you guys guess what those two teams are? Trevor, who do you think are the highest plus minuses and the lowest points against? The highest plus minuses and the lowest points against, um, mm -hmm. I would say, um, I, my instinct is to say that Seattle is one of them. 
I think. Okay, Ben, you got it. You got a guess. Um, um, I think Seattle's a good guess. I think. I think the. Uh, I think maybe the, Chiefs. Maybe. <sighs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs. So I, it's actually none of those. Is it the Colts? And, nope, it's not the Colts okay. either. Um, it's actually two teams in the exact same division as the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Now the Pittsburgh Steelers have played one less game than the Ravens, um, and they've scored ten less or they've allowed ten less points. But they have the two highest plus minuses, plus seventy five and plus sixty two, which is higher than any other teams. So I think it's interesting. We're gonna have a duel next week. I'm kind of hoping the Steelers lose, and we kind of have. Well, I'm not kind of hoping. I want the Steelers to lose every game. But then we have two five and one teams playing against each other the following week. It'll be really really interesting to watch. My one little takeaway from this past week. Ben, wrap it up for us. Do you have a big takeaway that you'd like to talk about in the NFL? So looking at the standings, there's one division that I'm extremely intrigued in. I guess there's two. Obviously, the AFC North I'm always intrigued in. I think you have two really good teams in the Ravens and the Steelers. You have the Browns, who aren't terrible, but they're not. I don't think they're on the level of the Ravens and the Steelers, as we've seen with both of their games against those teams. But I will say, I think the NFC West is an extremely interesting division to look at. Because I, I don't think – I think the Seahawks are the best team in that division. But I think the other three teams below them are all still good teams. I mean, the worst team is at 3-3 three and three is the 49ers, who I believe uh, the preseason, I had them probably finishing second in that division. Um, obviously, they've had some injuries. But I still don't think they're a terrible team. And especially, I mean, the Rams and the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler Murray's played extremely well this year. The Cardinals have been awesome. So I do think this is still an extremely interesting matchup, although you have the Seahawks, who might be the best team in the NFL, or they have the best player in the NFL in Russell Wilson. Um, but I, I still I still think I'm excited to watch how this division plays out because, again, all these teams have to play each other. And while I think the Seahawks will emerge victorious and probably uh, win the division, I, I'm very interested to see how the other three teams in that division do because, again, I don't think any of them are that bad. So I'm very interested. I think there will be some extremely fun and entertaining matchups between these teams uh, coming down the stretch of this regular season. I, I can't wait to watch them. 100%. But I think that's where we'll wrap up the episode for here today. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Of course, subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave us a five-star review if you liked it a lot. And, of course, follow our Twitter account at the Small Baller. The link will be in the description. Uh, we really appreciate all the love over there because you'll know when all of the podcasts come out from our podcast network called The Small Ballers. Um, but, yeah, like I said, uh, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!